Straw Hut Media. Brandy Glanville defies labels. We know her for her lack of filter, for her tendency to stir up trouble, and for her commitment to telling it like it is, no matter the consequences. For some, reality TV is a guilty pleasure. For others, it's a lifestyle. The Real Housewives Media franchise started in Orange County and premiered on Bravo in 2006. By the time my guest today made her debut on season two of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills five years later, there were already spinoffs in Atlanta, New York, New Jersey, and D.C. Brandy Glanville is good TV. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Since her debut on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills in 2011, she's been busy. In addition to raising her two boys, Brandy's appeared on tons of other shows, Big Brother, The Apprentice, Famously Single, and My Kitchen Rules. She wrote two New York Times bestselling books, hosts her own podcast, started a YouTube channel, and released her very own Chardonnay, aptly named Unfiltered Blonde. This is Brandy Glenville. You have a rainbow shirt on. We're here. We're queer. Let's talk about it. I love that. (laughs) Today I sit down with Real Housewife Brandi Glanville, and we have a conversation about her history in reality television and even dive into the history of Pride. There are certain stereotypes that come with watching Trainwreck TV, and a lot of the fans that Brandi has met over the years are straight women and gay men. Yeah, you know, I don't understand why. I couldn't tell you why, but the the, most of our fans are bored housewives and women and gay men. And I, there's very few straight men, unless their wives force them to watch a show, that actually know anything about housewives. Um, And I don't have an answer because I feel like I don't want to group everyone in and like make it like a stereotype, all gay men love housewives because I do have friends that think it's misogynist and horrible and it's not uplifting and they don't watch it. But it does seem like a lot of, you know, they're at the a huge gay audience and you know for big brother as well which i did not know going in but coming out a lot of the um fans for housewives were crossed over they're like big brother is like such a gay phenomenon i had no idea i don't know why do Maybe, you know why <laughs> i mean that's like a big i think a lot of reality shows in general or like that style of shows have larger gay audiences particularly like you said housewives and big brother so when you started working in that, let's just say, like industry, were you surprised that there's a lot of gay men also working in the that part portion of the industry? I don't think that I was surprised. I grew up in a household where my mom had, you know, all of the gay teenagers living at her house that were kicked out of their homes. So I grew up in a very liberal household, and it was just normal for me to be around gay men. It was just that was my normal. So I don't think for me it was odd but once I got into it I was like oh it's something I definitely started to notice I mean a lot of the producers I mean one of the main producers is my friend and he's definitely straight because we made out um before I was on (laughs) Housewives like a long time ago um it did not get me the job by the way (laughs) just putting that out there somebody said that but it's just not true um I don't know I um and for me it's kind of just my normal because that's how I grew up 
we grew up in a very uh, a tough neighborhood, very tough, and we were, didn't have a lot of money. And my parents were hippies, kind of. And, you know, my dad sold pot. We grew pot before it was legal. I sold pot at my high school. We were just progressive, I guess you could say. And my mom, I was in dance and gymnastics. And I think because of that, like all of my coaches were gay. And it just, my mom had this, like she just helped everyone. My mom, my best friend, Kim, her brother, Joseph, was gay and his parents kicked him out of the house. And so my mom moved him in. And all of a sudden we had like four gay men living with us because they weren't accepted by their parents. And um, it made, I feel like it made me who I am a little bit today because my kids are like, like that's just they have gay friends at school and I think that's great because back in the day we no one could say they were gay because god forbid like you would get beaten up in our neighborhood it was it was scary while growing up Brandy spent her time in dance gymnastics and later modeling she says that one of her gymnastics coaches Clark Jennings helped her find the confidence to be herself he always told me like he's like you're a star you have to just be you so for my gymnastics routine, like on the floor, I decided I wanted <laughs> Elton John's funeral for a friend and Flight of the Bumblebee. I wanted to like, I wanted to show that I was hyper, hyper. And then also like, that, like there's two sides to me because I don't identify as a straight woman. I've had relationships with women and it's, I, I don't even identify. I don't know. I hate putting label on it. Like there's so many labels out there and I, I don't want to be a label. I'm just me. So it sounds like you just came out as not straight. Oh, I've come out. I've said it a million times. I've, I'm not straight. I'm crooked as fuck. Drama is the fuel that drives everything in reality TV. Fans of shows like Real Housewives love drama, even if they don't want to get personally involved. Well, and there's definitely a level of like fabulousness to the housewives, to all of, all of them. Well... I mean, I feel like a, in a way, some of the shows are getting a little bit toxic, a little bit too, listen, I don't want to ruin lives. I just, I want to watch people get in fight and throw wine. Like, I don't want to say someone's, you know, got issues here and there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have done that when I was under attack and I was lashing out and saying something back during my first season. And I have regrets about that. Um, but now I just feel like... Let's not go so deep. I mean, we don't need to ruin lives here. It's it's a it's a show that is train wreck TV, but there's children and stuff involved that hear all of these things and it's just not okay. Right. So then there's like a level where it's like the wine throwing and that's enough. You don't have right. to <laughs> Yes. I mean, I feel like um so Yolanda Foster and I, well she's Hadid, sorry, not Foster anymore. We had this thing we called the vault. And we knew things about other housewives that we would never say. And we promised to never talk about it. And it was only brought up one time by Yolanda to Kyle. And she's like, you know, I have a lot of things in the vault. And her and I, we had like, we had life ruining shit that we knew that we would never say. And that's ultimately possibly why we weren't asked back. It's just not enough drama. I mean, I feel like there's enough drama. I'm not going to ruin your life. You know, I, I'm not here to do that. I would never be able to live with myself. So, you know, there is, there are people that, you know, won't go that far. And then there are people that just are toxic. 
which is a shame, right? Because you're these women who are powerful and very, you know, privileged in that way. And you have a lot of influence. Right. We're supposed to be bringing each other up. I mean, yes, there's always drama with girls. I fight with my girlfriends all the time. And, but like we, we fight, but that's a relationship and we make up, you know, that's what you're supposed to do because I care about them and watching the shows, like it's hard because I don't know that there are genuine relationships. So there aren't consequences and people just go low because they're just self-involved and don't give a fuck about anyone else. Right. But you have like a limit and you're just like, I'm not going there. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not. Like I, I've been there. You know, I did that once and I'm, I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. I think that's so. a good place to be though. Right? When you just realize like it's not worth it. No, I have kids now that, that, that are, I mean, I've always had kids obviously for 16 years, but um, now it would affect them. Like it is affecting, let's say, Kelly Dodd's daughter. It would hurt them, you know, and it, it, they're at school and they could be teased about certain things. And that's just not something I'm willing to do to my children. Or to like anyone's. Anyone. No, anyone's. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I'm not here to ruin your marriage. I'm not here to say horrible things about you that get back to your kids and get them, you know, embarrassed by you. You know, you want your kids to love you and be excited that you're their mom yeah i don't know it's just it's a i think it's a balancing act that a lot of people can do and there's some people that just can't when we were getting ready to talk brandy told me about one of her best friends mia mia lives in florida and recently came out as transgender i met mia through a girlfriend and he was married she was married at the time for 13 years um, to a horrible person. And um, we just fell in love. That's the truth. We were, we, it's like, it was like magic. I can't explain it. I had an instant best friend and I trusted her in everything. And she, she took care of me emotionally. And I went off to do Celebrity Apprentice with our president. And she Ooh, knew. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, she knew that I was scared to death because I didn't think of myself as that business-minded person and I was just doubting myself and she was like I'm going with you and I think she was also escaping the fact that her husband at the time was cheating on her with everyone and we just I think it's been like eight years now we're just we are in love like she is my soulmate in a weird way but unfortunately for her she lives in a conservative town in Florida it's um Delray Beach and it's a lot of older people and you know she realized while she was living with me in LA that she always knew she wanted she was a woman in a man's body so she decided one day to tell me and then I told the kids and we we're like yay let's have a party but now you know she's back in Florida and the struggle is that she can't be her true self she can't go out with you know her makeup and all of the things that she wants to do because of the judgment there and also, you know, she wants to get some plastic surgery, like feminine, feminine, what do you call it? Like Fem- a facial feminization? Exactly. Um, that kind of thing, which is super expensive and she can't afford it. And um, any doctors out there that want to help, help, you know, I feel like it's important if you look in the mirror and you don't see who you think you, you should see. And I, I wish she could be here in LA with me. But, you know, she's got obligations there and she has a salon there. And I just feel like it's hard for her kind of hiding 
not being able to be authentic. Back in 2015, when Brandy was on The Celebrity Apprentice, she took Mia with her. She um, is an amazing uh, hairstylist. And, okay. Yeah. So did a lot of your work when you were on camera or those sorts of things? Um, she, it, For The Apprentice, she did. I got her um, hired because she was just there with me. And I'm like, you know what? Can I, you know, everyone else had hair and makeup that they hired. I, I never, I don't really ask for things. I wish, I wish I would. But I did ask if she could get paid to do that. And so she was with me, like with me on set that whole time, which is if I didn't have her, I, I had like my first panic attack during that time. And um, if I didn't have her, I would have, I don't know what I, <laughs> it was horrible. Remember who used to host that show? Back before he infiltrated the White House, um, as far as uh, as far as Mr. Trump goes, we he was we didn't have any like horrible interaction. Where it's like was he horrible? He wasn't horrible, and I wish I could say that he was. <laughs> kind of the one thing he did say to me, which is off, I thought a little inappropriate, is that I should never wear red lipstick, which I am wearing today. <laughs> so you can suck it. Uh, not you, DT. <laughs> um, so I, that's the only, I mean, every other interaction that I had with him was fine. And usually it was off camera, but when the cameras came on, he definitely turned into a different person. And I feel like that's kind of who we're seeing at these rallies and, you know, at these debates is a version of himself, which is, he's turned on, you know, well, not like sexually, but like, <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe he does get off that. I don't know. But um, I don't know that that's his true authentic self. I don't know that he knows who that is. But um, my experience was he was kind off camera and then on camera he turned into someone else. But I mean, I, everyone's like, what? Was it horrible? It just wasn't, you know? It just was. It was. It was just fine. And Ivanka was lovely. The kids were nice. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Because at that time, they were kids. They were um, younger. They were they were in the boardroom with them. They were still. I mean, they were married. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they weren't actually kids. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and they were just lovely and articulate and everything you would think you would want your how you would want your kids to act. Yes, do I know more about them now that I don't agree with? Of course I do. But just my personal experience wasn't horrific. Right. But you had Mia there, Tom. I did. If I didn't have Mia, I I don't know what I would have done. It was, yeah, it was a very, it was probably the hardest show that I've ever done. Really? Yes. Even with all the wine in the face and throwing? I'll throw wine anytime, girl. I, no, it's because, like, there's this pressure to ask all of these people in your life for money. And you have to ask them, like, right now, and you need it right now. So I'm cold calling all of my friends, going, can you give me five grand? Can you? I mean, it. it's the most uncomfortable thing ever. I don't yeah. ask anyone for anything ever. So then to ask them, and by the way, can you wire it right now? This second. Yes, this second. Um, So it was very stressful. And if you didn't get enough money in, you were called out, you know, on TV and you were like, oh, the le- you got the least amount of money in. And it was just so stressful So for wait, me. when the money comes in, I don't actually remember how Celebrity Apprentice worked. When the money, what would happen? So like- this is shady as F. Okay. okay. This is what I think. So, well, I know this. So, so. <laughs> Don't think. No. I know. So, so whoever wins at the end, like the end of like your, um, you know, there's different teams. At the end of the challenge, 
you know, you have to get all of your money in and it goes into this trust, the safe, which obviously is getting interest. Like it's sitting there for a long time and there's a lot of interest because it's not going straight to charity. It's going into a bank account. And then once the person wins, then they'll figure out how to get it to charity. But they're, I mean, we raised, I alone on one, um, I raised over $250,000. And like that's sitting, this is one person, there's like 20 of us. So there's a lot of millions of dollars sitting making money until the end of this show. And I'm like, I actually asked them in the producers, I go, I want to know where the interest from all this money goes. Do you guys give it to charity? And it was like, she, was, she shook her head and started laughing. She's like, Brandy, don't. And so I'm, I'm curious. Where does it go? I would like to know. And how much did they make? And I mean, I guess they have to pay for the show somehow. But yeah. um, I mean, it just seems like, yeah, it seemed a little weird for me. It was... I don't know. It was just a whole bizarre thing that everyone, I feel like everyone was thinking it. No one would say it. Of course, I'm the a-hole that would say it. And it was like, and now I'm saying it again. I'm just curious, really. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, because they hold be on lot. to that money until like the end of the show when somebody wins. And if it's $2 million, it's some serious interest. Yes. You're talking about at least 100 Like If you're 1%, is that 100000 $100,000? We'll have to do the math Yeah, later. Yeah, I'm blondish, so it's not... I'm, I'm pretty good at math, but no. When we come back, we'll give Brandy a crash course on the history of the LGBTQ plus movement here in the United States. Welcome back to my conversation with Brandy Glanville, New York Times bestselling author and reality television personality. Brandy is a big supporter of love, though you would never know based on her reputation, and doesn't understand why we all can't just love whomever we want. While talking, I was surprised to find out she wasn't familiar with the history of the LGBTQ rights movement. When we talk about the movement here in the U.S., we usually start in 1969 with the Stonewall Riots in New York City. At the time, not only was homosexuality illegal, you could also be arrested for wearing gender non-conforming clothing. If you were a man, you could be arrested for dressing in drag. Women could face the same penalty for not dressing feminine enough. People from the time refer to these laws as the three-article rule, meaning police could arrest you if you weren't wearing at least three articles of clothing that reflected your legally assigned gender. So-called masquerade laws came about in the mid-19th century and made their way across the country for the next 100 years, the last one being signed into law in 1966 in San Diego. Laws like these gave the police free reign to harass queer people on the street. And that harassment had gone on and on for far too long. I feel like it goes on a little bit still it today. It does. depends. I think LA is progressive. I think in other states, they still have a lot of issues definitely to work through. Yeah. yeah. And they sometimes are working forward and sometimes they're going back and then... And sometimes they're going forward and going back at the same time. Two same steps time. forward, yeah, three steps back. So exactly. it's, it's difficult, but yes. In the early morning hours of June 28, 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village, Manhattan, while 200 patrons were inside. Raids on establishments that served LGBTQ plus people like this were commonplace at the time. People were physically checked by police officers before being arrested for cross-dressing. But this night, things went differently. As the police beat a queer woman with a baton and dragged her to a police van, a crowd gathered and mayhem broke out. The riots lasted for days and acted as a catalyst for organizing the LGBTQ plus community in the years to come. Wow, this is 
very, I, I right? really, I'm learning a lot. Five months after Stonewall, activists proposed a march be held the last week in June every year with no restrictions on dress or age to commemorate the riots. One of the committee members, Craig Shoemaker, suggested Pride as the name for the movement. So he did, Shoemaker, did an interview, I want to say it was in like 2015, where he said, people did not have power then, even now we only have some, which really leads into what you were just saying. Right. Like, we have a long way to go. They do. But he added, but anyone can have pride in themselves, and that would make them happier as people and produce the movement likely to produce change. Which is a really great, great quote, because what it means is anyone can take pride in themselves and create change. Well, as they should, but I, I feel like, unfortunately, there are conservative people around, like with Mia, like we talked about. She She's frightened to live her true self right, you know, and be prideful for who she really is. Yeah. And so, and it's, you know, it's not that she, she's not ashamed. She just, it's hard because the people around her are so conservative. Right. So, I mean, it's like, yes, it's easy to say have pride, you know, but it's hard to do. But don't get punched. No, God, no. Right? Like, have no. pride, just don't get beat up. No, no, God, no. Like, I hope for my kids, and I I know for my kids, like, they are so used to Mia being, you know, dressed as a woman in a wig, and sometimes she's not, um, and they have friends that are gay at school, and that's the world that I kind of grew up in, but I also grew up in my friend Joseph getting beaten up because he was gay. With like a baseball bat, not just beaten up, like punched out. Like he was, it was horrible. And so I feel like we are, we're getting there. Like, you know, my kids are, you know, they're at school and everyone can say we're getting there. We have a long ways to go though. Yeah, no, I agree. As sad as that is, right? You feel like was marriage, marriage equality was only a few years ago and that felt like, yes, this is it. Right. And then it's like, oh no, no we can well, always go back. Exactly. And you know what, as long as we're, we're forging forward, as long as we're trying to get there. And I think the conversation is, you know, it's definitely making the rounds. People, we're talking about it now. We right. weren't talking about it then because you couldn't because then you would be shamed. Yeah. And, you know, I can have those conversations with my kids and, and thank God, I'm just, I'm so happy that I'm raising children in this time where it is, well, you can say whatever you want. I'm yeah. like, you know, and you know, when they were little, like, I don't know if I'm gay or straight. I'm like, cool. I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> but I, that was, that's How a conversation. 12 and 16 now. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, um, you know, those are conversations we had when like from, gosh, they were like four, you know, just because I, you know, I, after my split, I really only had gay men around me because they were like, they were my best friends and they became a kind of like father figures ish to my kids on my time. So, you know, it, it's just not, it's just their norm. And I feel like I feel blessed for that. I just wish that would happen all over. In 1966, two years before the Stonewall Riots, a guy named Steve Ginsburg founded a radical gay rights political organization right here in Los Angeles. He called the group Pride, an acronym that stood for Personal Rights in Defense and Education. Later that same year, during a New Year's party at the Black Hat Tavern in Silver Lake, undercover police snuck into the bar and started beating and arresting patrons for kissing as they rang in the New Year. The Pride organization responded to that incident with the publication of a pamphlet, also called Pride. The Pride pamphlet later became The Advocate. 
I've learned a lot. Like I, I'm you not did? just saying I I'm not gonna be that person that comes in like I know everything, I'm this and this and this. I I didn't know a lot about that. About the Stonewall. And yeah, no, it's true. And I don't think I would have just looked it up my by myself just because my life was just like, we're all gay. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it is important to I'm you know, I'm gonna share that with my kids. Amazing. Well, yeah, yeah, just have them listen to this episode. They can get the well, little history. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be like, let's segment out this little piece well, for you to listen to. No, they, they know I've had relationships with them and it's, it's, we've talked about it. So it's not that. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I just keep them young and sweet. <laughs> keep as them long away. as possible. Keep them away from me. No, I'm already <laughs> corrupting them as it is. I don't know. I feel like, um, I don't know that they need to, like, they haven't read the book. And we did Your talk book? about, yeah, because we talked about their dad and like, I don't just really think, noob. yeah, I just don't think it's, I don't talk about any of that with them. Yeah. Um, well, they're 16 and 12. Well, yeah, we, they know what happened. Sure. They don't need to, I don't need to go into detail. They're yeah. very aware of what happened. So, you know, we've had discussions, but I don't need to talk about the Chardonnay and the this and the that. Right. So they don't need to listen. Or the closet with the wine. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it in there. <laughs> just talk about the sunglasses and the allergies. Oh my gosh, for sure. Remember when mom had allergies? All the time. For like During a year. the day. <laughs> at all times. Right, even at night. <laughs> in the house, she didn't leave her room. <laughs> the allergies were that bad. Yeah. It was like cotton from her bedspread. <laughs> So thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so fun. And where can everyone follow you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just under Brandy Glanville. I do have a new YouTube station that is called Brandy Glanville Official Drinking and Tweeting because we can't get the official taken off right now because um, somebody else has it or something stupid. Um, also get my books, <laughs> Drinking and Tweeting and Drinking and Dating. And yeah, I'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. Yep, it's at Pride. That simple. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Two worlds combined. Ba 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 ba. Ba da da da. What? <laughs>